Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to episode 14 of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime? I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. And this week, we figured New Year, let's talk about some of the new books we got for the holidays, because I always get books for the holidays because people know me. I actually only got one book this year. I know. I'm horrified for you. I sent out. so sorry. Granted, it was a smaller list than in typical. So my family, we're a list family. Mm. You send out a list or you get nothing. That's not true because, you know, we like to give things and we just can't not. But that's what we tell people. So this year, I normally I send probably like 10 books, separate books to each person that I'm sending a list to. And this year, I only sent three each. Mm. (gasps) I got none of them. That greatly reduces your odds of getting books. Well, I I try to be consistent. I was like, these are the books that I want. And like... I try to do, like, if I notice that Barnes & Noble is having, because sometimes they have really, really good book sales in October or November, I'll send a link to my family, and I'm like, hey, Mm. I was like, just so you know, I'm like, they're having a book sale, here are titles that I would want for Christmas, because we celebrate Christmas, that are on this book sale, just because sometimes it works out in my favor, like, last year, I think I got, like, eight books, so maybe that's what it is, I was just making up for it this year. But I guess to be fair, I actually only was given like three books this year, but I had like a unique holiday situation this year. It was like first for a lot of things. So I bought myself some mm. books mm-hmm. for Christmas. So I feel like those count. Yeah. It's also this episode is kind of the gift of reading, which is what I'm going to yes, title it. So anyone. How long have you been sitting on that one? Oh, like five days. Oh my god, I'm so proud of you. I came up with yeah. Oh, when I came up with it, I I think I literally jumped and I was like, God, I'm the smartest person that ever did think of anything ever. You know. Oh my god, right? I don't have a big ego or anything. It's fine. Um, speaking of gifts, our first giveaway just ended. Yeah. This is gonna air tomorrow. Yeah, that just ended. So we had our winner. It was Instagram's the book clubbing club. Which also, I just love that handle. It's so fun. I know. It's super fun. Yeah. I like typing it in. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyways, congratulations. Thanks, everybody, for participating. And uh, yeah, Book Club yeah. and Club, look out for your book. It's yeah. on its way soon, I swear. Yeah. We'll get to the post office. It won't take too long, we promise. couple days tops. Yeah. She lives in Seattle, works in Seattle. It, you know, they just, Seattle is sassy. It's fine. But everybody else, if you didn't win, stay tuned. We'll be doing more of these because it's a lot of fun. So I really enjoyed making the pictures for the posts for the (laughs) giveaways. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) But I like the giveaway part too. Yeah. Anyways, you wanna jump in on the book that you were gifted this holiday season that you read? Or maybe you gifted it to yourself. It's fine. Mm, This one was a self-gift. That's fine. Yeah. It's fine. To me, from me, how did you know I love it? It's my favorite. (laughs) I always get myself the best gifts. God, you are so good at picking things out for yourself. It's just, I'm so intuitive about it. It's just amazing. It's impressive. Um, Anyways, (laughs) um, I ended up uh, getting myself the book Codename Villanelle, which is based on, or well, I guess Killing Eve is based on this. So the Hulu show Killing Eve. Yeah, I didn't know that was based on a book. Yeah, I didn't 
I think I'd heard it like vaguely at one point and then I was just like going through my Amazon like book wish list and I ran across it and I was like, oh, right. Yeah. So I guess there were like four little novellas basically that turned into this book and then this book turned into Killing Eve. Like it's not like exact, obviously. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the book though because I actually really enjoyed the book. Okay. I haven't seen the TV show, so I know nothing Don't about worry, it. Don't worry, I won't give for... any spoilers for anything. I'll just talk general specifics. Okay. <laughs> general specifics you know like you do yeah um so basically what this book is about is villanelle which is uh she's she's like a hired assassin basically for a secret organization of men and like you get to know right off the bat like the general idea of like what this organization is about like they basically like have a group of 12 men and they vote on who's gonna be like assassinated next but the thing is like she's not just like killing like family men or random people who owe money like it's people who like are participating in like cyber attacks and like sketchy things so basically like foreign businessmen who are slimy Mm -hmm. so like killing not great I get why maybe they would want to kill these people, but it's probably for nefarious reasons and political gain and all sorts of like complicated issues that they don't really get into. You know what I mean? Like why else would an organization of 12 men vote to kill like these kinds of people? Mm-hmm. And the fact there that they, some reason. they have to vote on it too. It's not just like, I can be like, Hey, kill that guy. Right. Yeah. Right. So they'll like, they'll like gather and they'll like discuss a person and then they will each be given like two fish, like ivory, like, carved fish Mm -hmm. and one's white and one's red and so they will put they'll like pass around like a little velvet bag and they'll put in like red if they think that that person should be killed or white if they think they should be oh so then you don't even necessarily know who voted voted yes or no that's kind of smart though so that way you're not number what i guess seven in the first six or whoever i can't do math but they're you're not saying they're like i don't want to kill him but everyone else is and Okay. Yeah, so it's like there's some anonymity to the voting, but yeah. like they're they, I mean, as far as the book is described, all of the scenarios in which you watch this occur, they've been pretty unanimous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I, I mean, of course, it's in the book, but like that's how yeah. they do this basically. Um, and so Villanelle is like their assassin. Okay. So she was born in Russia, and her father was some sort of like influential person, and then ended up working for the Russian mafia. And having, like, all of these, like, militant-type skills, basically. And, like, she went to a Russian university where she won, like, awards for her shooting capabilities. And, like, she was, like, amazing at, like, languages. So, like, from a really young age, she started learning multiple languages. Um, Her mom died of, like, a Chernobyl cancer when she was little. Yeah, so that was sad. Um, And then she was, like, close to her dad, and he got murdered. I think it was oh. murdered. I'm pretty sure her dad. It happens really early on, so this isn't really a spoiler. It's no, that's like fine. Backstory. But that does kind of make sense as to why maybe she might go on to become right. an assassin. So that happens, and then she like takes revenge on the men who murdered her, and then like went to a woman's prison, and then supposedly like hung herself and died. Oh, but clearly but, like, didn't. Along the way, she'd had other instances where like she castrated a, a man who raped her teacher. Like, mm-hmm. there were signs. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but basically she like ultimately went to this Russian prison and uh, because of her intelligence and like all of her skills that she displayed, like this organization had taken an interest in her and basically staged it so that people thought she was dead. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like, you're no longer Oksana. Like you can pick your own new like nickname or whatever. And she picked uh, Villanelle. Villanelle. Yeah. Well, there was I a really, really good reason for it. Oh, there was okay. a good reason for it, though. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I should have written down what page it was. Hold on. I had an article saved on my phone right right there because I was like, I need to. Yeah. I was like, because otherwise that's just, I mean, what would I pick? I don't know what I would pick. I don't know. I guess if, you know, my mom died of her from Chernobyl and then my dad was murdered, I might have a stronger opinion on what name I want, but it's like in Marvel where Chris Pratt's character picks Star Lord. Star Lord. I got it. I found it. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Okay, so she chose her cover name after her favorite after the favorite perfume of like a contessa, basically, who was guillotined and had like uh who wore like a scarlet ribbon around her neck. Oh. So All it's right. like a little creepy. Mm-hmm. At least it has, like, a reason. It's not, like, it's the lady version of villain. Yeah. She, like, she like went into a perfume shop, and, like, they were, like, trying out a bunch of perfumes for her, and they told her about this one, and she was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh-huh. So, um, basically, this organization, like, got her, like, trained up. Mm. Like, they made her a bunch of fake identities so that she could attend, like, a bunch of different, like, secret organizations and, like, military trainings and stuff. So that she would basically be like the perfect assassin for them. So like that's basically what she does with her life. She has a handler and oh. she's told where she's going, when she's going. They had like somebody like teach her how to dress. So like she's attractive, but not like overly so. So she's kind of like classy. Yeah. But, like, not drawing too much attention. But so also- men will like let her into their folds, but she's not super rememberable because she's not so attractive or like the women right. don't instantly hate her. No. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, a lot of work. Like, they've been very committed to her for, like, many years, right? Oh, so she and has like, to stay for a while, I bet, or if they're hoping she, to. I don't think she can ever leave. I'm pretty sure, like, that's, like, the deal. It's, like, she does it forever or they kill you because you know about the organization now, and so you can that's never true. not be a part of and it. And I guess they kind of basically broke her out of prison. Yeah, so. and, like, helped her start over considering she murdered some dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, sure. Yeah. So basically, that's who she is. So she's basically like a psychopath. I guess maybe maybe it's sociopath because sociopaths are made, and she yeah. had a really shitty upbringing. So maybe she's a sociopath. I think that's what the um, FBI or not FBI. I always say FBI is like my default, like Secret Service. Yeah. My five. My five because they're British. The British ones are the ones that are after her. So basically, like Villanelle is this assassin, right? And um, the British Secret Service have this lady, Eve, Eve mm-hmm. Pilastri. Oh. So she's a detective. Well, sort of a detective. She's like, she's like a secret agent, but not really that secret. She like protects foreign operatives. Hmm. Okay. So like a politically agent, I guess, because yeah. like that's basically her job is that like a foreign person is coming and doing a speech, like a political head figure and so she has to go and like do protection detail Mm -hmm. like just to make sure that like nothing suspicious is happening or whatever and so like she's basically given one of those tasks so she's basically given like a task like that they're like oh yeah this person's coming like there was like a death threat but like that happens all the time you Mm -hmm. know 
Um, so they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, she's like, I guess I'll check it out. Like, and so she like swung by the event and like nothing seemed like weird and like everyone seemed like they're having a good time and she didn't see anybody suspicious, you know? So mm-hmm. she leaves early. Oh, she not should like, not have done that. Not like very early, but like everyone was already like pretty drunk. So she was like fairly confident they were going to be cool. Yeah. Which is at like, at like 930. Oh, I'm right, I'm right there with her. Villanelle oh. comes into the hotel. Oh no. 15 minutes. What I love about Villanelle is she is, like, crafty AF. Like, this is how she gets away with all this shit. So, like, I'm not going to go into this much detail. This is the first one, so it's really early in the book. So I'll talk this much detail about this particular one. But, like, okay. all the other ones, just give you a brief overview. Yeah. Um, so, like, this first murder that they have her do, because I'm pretty sure. Well, it may not be the first murder. No, it's, like, her first, like, described, like, detailed murder in the book. Okay, yeah. So it's, like, the point in which Eve becomes aware of Villanelle's existence for mm-hmm. sure because like Eve is like a side project has been like investigating female serial killers and she was like pretty sure there were more of them out there oh so, like, she had this interest right yeah. and then she like basically comes face to face with this because like there were a couple of murders that were Villanelle's that like Eve was like looking at and was like I feel like this is the same girl or whatever you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like she already had some awareness of her but not really so Eve leaves um, the party because she thinks everybody's going to be fine. And, like, Villanelle comes into the hotel, and she, like, waves to the reception guy. She, like, goes upstairs. She describes, like, putting her gun together and switching on to her latex gloves and, like, very details, like, laying out how she's going to go, like, do all this, like, do, I mean, do a murder. Yeah. <laughs> basically. But, like, yeah. so calmly and chill. Like, this is just, like, it's a Saturday night for her. Yeah, she's and like, it, okay, so I would curl my hair, but then, you know, I put in the yeah, clip, and... Like, it's so fucking casual, and it's ridiculous. Um, And so, she calls up, like, the guy that she ends up killing, and she was like, hey, like, we met at your lecture earlier, like, you said I should call you later. And he was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely come by, because, like, the narration, she's like, oh, he's definitely drunk enough now, but not too drunk. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so she calls him. He, she goes up to his hotel. So I'm like, oh my God. She like planned this ahead. Like she talked to him so that she had this like in where he basically feels like he's in control of this situation and she's just some pretty girl. Like, nah, bitch. Like, oh my God, <laughs> no. So she basically just like goes there and there and kills him. Yeah. Like just like just like straight up. Like I think she like talks to him like a little bit. Like there's some like conversation, but he's obviously pretty drunk. But she just like like just like Right between the eyes. Damn. No. Well, because she probably wants it, like, you know, not necessarily right in the doorway. She's got to get in just a little bit. Well, he has guards, too. Oh. And so she, like, goes to leave, and, like, the guards were, like, turned to look, and she's like, oh, he's sleeping. And they, like, look at each other, and they're like, ah, something seems off. And she just kills both the fucking guards. Oh, all right. Okay. At least she didn't just get away with, like, bye, boys. Nope. And she basically just, like, pieces out <laughs> she like runs out of the building i'm pretty sure at one point she's like on a roof but like they like catch like a glimpse of her on the cctv but and like, i bet she's running head. in heels too right and but they got like one video of the girl who was in that room on cctv and so they call this girl in and it looks like a lot like villanelle but it's not villanelle and this girl is just like i was hired to be an actress for the night and oh. I was told to walk from here to here and pretend to do these things and to meet with that professor and flirt uh-huh. with him. And, and like they basically set her up to take the fall. Like 
Villanelle even took like a couple pieces of her hair and put it in a bag that she was told not to open that had oh, like shit. all of Villanelle's guns and stuff uh-huh. in it. But that way that girl's hair is in there. Fuck. Yeah. So like, that's what I'm talking about. Like this. Shit, I gotta read girl. this book. If that's just the first murder, like... That's just the first murder. Fuck. So I was so happy with this book. I don't want to get too much into it at this point, like, further as far as, like, details. But basically, what continues is, like, Eve is now even more motivated to find her. They have other scenarios in which they kind of sort of overlap, but they never really interact in the book. Mm -hmm. Like, at one point, Villanelle, like, breaks into Eve's hotel and, like, watches her sleep and steals a bracelet. Creepy. Like, they, like, see each other in passing, and Eve is like, oh, I think I recognize her, and so, basically, this book, because I think there's, like, two or three now, like, actual books, so I'm definitely going to read the next one, because I'm curious how how they play that out, Yeah, Um, because it doesn't, like, really follow the seasons exactly. Okay. Um, The seasons are obviously far more dramatic, and they've changed some characters, like, totally different, but, um, like, basically, the the first book is just, like, setting you up Mm -hmm. for, like, the chase, Okay. Because it, like, it kind of just, like, puts into place, like, the reasons that Eve would be so interested in Villanelle and, like, shows you who Villanelle really is as a character. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. So I love that because, like, the book or the show focuses mostly around, like, Eve and Villanelle's, like, relationship directly. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, much more separate. Okay. Yeah. Cause that would make sense. Yeah. Cause you kind of have to, especially in the first book, you know, you got to build the two characters yeah. as separate people. You have to, like, yeah. Explain who people are. So like, it's super cool because like E or Villan- I keep mixing them up because, like, <laughs> they're both everywhere. Okay. Yeah. So Villanelle, the psycho is like very sexually motivated because that's pretty typical for like sociopaths because they can't yeah. feel any real emotion. So like she has like a lot of sexual encounters. Like I will say that it's it doesn't go into like a, a lot of detail, but she has a lot of them and it does go into some detail. So maybe not appropriate, you know, for an 11 year old. I would say maybe like 18 and older. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good. I, I mean, I feel like 16 even would be pushing it. So let's okay. just stick with 18 and older. So no moms yell at me. The 16 year olds um, who are already reading Stephen King, maybe they're fine. Those ones might have a leg up in this situation. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't go into that much detail. There's just like a couple of scenes where like they were a little descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I like really enjoyed this book. So recommend, awesome. highly recommend. Five out of five? She is ruthless, yes. Okay. Five, five. pictures, nine out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She almost gonna... beheads a dude with a butcher's knife. Damn. I mean, I guess it's good because it's almost, because it'd have to be a very, very sharp butcher's knife. I mean, I know they cut mm-hmm. muscle and bone and things, but still, damn. Yep. Damn. Wow. Yep. She's ruthless. Yeah. Okay. Could you imagine? You'd be so bloody. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're good enough, maybe you can dodge the blood. I guess if you're behind. I don't know. It's a it's tough a, one. Anyways. Could be wearing a gown. I don't know. I'll plan it out it. before I murder somebody with a butcher knife, at least. So Good call. Yeah. So I, for mine, I ended up actually rereading book. Yeah. So like I said, I only got one book for Christmas. Mm. Uh, so Blake ended up getting me a book um, and he just like kind of picked it out on his own. So mm. uh, he knows that I love Jodi Bacolt, which I do. She's probably hands down my favorite author. And I'm going to go in on that here in a hot sec. Um, 
but he was like yeah he's like i picked this one he's like i don't know if you already have it or not you have a lot of books which he's not wrong about and he's like and i didn't necessarily recognize the cover and we're like sitting on the couch and i'm like oh yeah it's right there on the shelf that's where it is so i ended up swapping out the book that he got me for a different one and i had started reading that one and then i was like you know what i was like screw it i'm gonna reread this jody bacolt book because I technically it. it's still a gift it is still a gift you did get the gift but yeah. you have read it but that's okay yeah it's a gift that keeps on giving exactly and so like i said i love almost all of her books of the books i've read which i have read probably all but maybe three or four of her books um I started one of them. I've only hated one. I started it. There's one. Okay, so just quick little side note about Jodi Bacolt. I pronounced the T in her last name. I'm not positive if you're supposed to or not, but I do. I don't know how she says her own name, but people say my, my name wrong, so I'll say her name wrong. It's fine. If I'm uh, her, I'll ask. But so what she does with all of her books is she picks a lot of like really heavy topics. So she's the author. One that a lot of people know her from is My Sister's Keeper because they made a movie yeah. out of it. But they, so I've never seen the movie because apparently they completely changed the ending and the ending of the book like destroys you. So that's why they change ending. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. Um, but so all of her books, she super, super crazy researches them. So she, um, so in fourth grade, I, so up until fourth grade, so second and third grade, I guess really, because that's when I moved schools, I was like ahead in my reading class and I was allowed to stay in the library late. And like me and my friend, we got to stay as long as we needed at the library to pick a book that was at our, or above our reading level. We hadn't read. We were basically hot fucking shit. You were the coolest. In fourth grade, my teacher wouldn't let us do it anymore. So fourth grade to eighth grade, I hated reading and I wouldn't, I read the 20 minutes a day that you're supposed to read. And I literally would just sit there and stare at a wall and turn the page periodically because I knew roughly how long I how many pages I could read in 20 minutes so I did that for four years Jodi Picoult was the first book that I read in eighth grade I read um The Pact it was like the first book that like got me back into reading which I think at some point we should do like the book that got us into reading and I can talk about that one but either way I digress uh so she super, super researches all of her books. So like any book that has like a murder, maybe she'll re- she'll like go and talk to like police officers and stuff and be like, hey, like in this instance, like what would you do? And like, how would you yeah. do all these things? Uh, so the book that I hated, there's this one where this like woman, her grandparents were in Auschwitz or something. And she like mm. semi befriends this guy who was a Nazi. I don't know. I couldn't get into it. It was a slow start. But. The book that I ended up doing is called Small Great Things by Jodi Picoult, obviously, since I've just been rambling on about her. Um, And this one is about race. So it's, so all of her books too, they, uh, chapter to chapter, you jump character to character and you can like, sometimes you might kind of like jump to a different time frame or you can relive the exact same thing you just went through, but from this other person's point of view. So- The book mainly centers around this gal named Ruth. So she's 44, I think, um, African-American, and she's a labor and delivery nurse. And she's been doing that since she was 20. Or for 20 years, I mean. So she's been doing it since she's 24, I guess, math. Um, She was almost 20. Yeah. And so she, so Ruth uh, grew up in Harlem, and her mom is a single mom, and she has an older sister who birth name was Rachel but then she renamed her name uh she changed her name to Adissa Adisa 
I read it as a Dissa in my head. Um, What's it spelled like? A D I S A. Okay, I, it could go either way. Yeah, I read it as a Dissa. Addissa. Yeah. I have she, no yeah. idea. Your guess is as good as mine. Okay. Yeah. And so whatever you want to say, we're gonna go with. So her mom. So her mom had the two girls, and then their dad left when Ruth was like two or four-ish or something. And so her mom was a single parent, and her mom worked as a domestic for these super rich white people. Um, like literally, the guy, um, the husband, was the guy who was brought to you in living color on NBC, like back when it was like brand new that tv was in color and stuff so these people had a lot of money and then they had a girl who was um dead center between rachel and ruth age-wise and her Mm. name's christina so like if christina didn't have friends over they were allowed to play with christina like if they had to go to work with her mom or something like that but if um christina did have friends over then they couldn't hang out um Mm. so that's just like um and then so basically the whole reason that ruth wants to be um a nurse is that i think ruth is like five her sister's nine and so that makes christina seven like right around that age and then miss mina who is um uh it's christina's mom the woman that ruth's mom works for uh she goes into labor with christina's younger brother and you know this is like back in the day like color tv is not even a thing so they, they go and they call the like they call an ambulance over but her mom basically just delivers this baby. She's like, all right, we're like, baby's coming out. It's coming, yep. So like, and this is really early on in the book. Ruth is, she's like, yeah, she's like, this kind of shaped all of us. She was like, um, Christina had her baby's surrogate. She was like, Rachel ended up having five kids. And she was like, I knew I wanted to be an L&D nurse. Kind of mm-hmm. like did that. So anyway, so she's a great nurse. Like she's never had any, nothing's ever gone on. And then one day, um so she works the day shift and they're 12 hour shifts um Mm -hmm. so she like comes on to work you know perfectly normal day and the gal who's getting off she's like yeah we have this i think it's like a p1g1 or a g1p1 i don't know basically it's it's a first time mom who had one baby um she's like yep it's there it's fine the baby's name is davis like no big problems the mom had um the i can't remember i can never remember what the hell it's called but basically it's when pregnant women get diabetes because they're pregnant and only while they're pregnant it's- oh gestational diabetes yeah so the mom had that and they're like well like, so that's the only complication and he's like not really wanting to feed and he's kind of sluggish but like mm-hmm. the entire book like in ruth and everybody they're like but like that's not normal it's a perfectly common thing like that happens and she's right. like okay that's cool sweet she goes in and she's like oh yeah because they have to do a heel stick and they like take blood and they send it off to a lab and all this shit um and the baby's born on a thursday and the labs are closed saturday and sundays which does end up mattering later on um but so she's like in there and she's like oh i'm gonna clean up the baby and she's like talking to the parents and she's like because when she gets the handoff from that first nurse first nurse is like who's the one who like helped with the whole birth and everything she's like yeah she's like the dad's kind of we off and she's like i don't know what it is like and she was like, oh, is it, like, this guy? Because, like, they had, like, a dad who, like, flirted with all the nurses the whole time and, like, all mm-hmm. these things. And she's like, no. She's like, it's none of those things. And she's like, I don't know what it is. It just seems weird. Something's off. I can't put my finger on it. And she's like, okay, whatever. Sure. So, you know, she's bathing it. And she's, like, talking to the parents. And she's, like, and Ruth is, like, kind of getting those vibes. She's like, but, you know, like, 
first time parents, sometimes they can be a little weirded out when the nurse comes in and kind of takes the baby away to clean it and stuff. Yeah. So then she goes and she's like, oh, so she cleans out the baby and she's like, hey, we should try and see if we can get him to like nurse or whatever. And then the dad is like, step the fuck away from my wife. Like, she's like, he's like, I need to talk to your supervisor. And Ruth is just like, okay. And like hands the baby off and is like, the fuck did I do? And like goes and gets a supervisor. Uh, turns out they're skinhead, you know, Aryan brotherhood. White is the superior race. I was wondering. How dare a black nurse touch our baby? Oh, my God. a sticky note ends up in the baby's file that says, no African-American personnel shall, I can't remember the exact terminology, like, handle handle (laughs) this child or whatever. Like, it's like, and it's it's literally a pink sticky note. Ruth is the only African-American nurse. She's the only nurse of color literally oh every other God. nurse are white that's ridiculous um and so then you kind of like cut over to so turk is the dad and Brittany is the mom um so you kind of cut over and you never get uh like the Brittany side of it it's only it's, all the chapters are ruth um turk and then other people who i haven't talked about yet but um so you cut over to turk and it's him kind of telling like his part of things were how he was raised where like uh his dad left his mom and he kind of had a shitty upbringing because his mom like started drinking and then he ended up getting like brought into these people who like were skinheads and they go into this whole thing about how like there are differences between so they call it the movement uh, but there's differences between skinheads and the Aryan Brotherhood and um there's like a bunch there's probably I think like four or five different ones and they all kind of believe in different things so like you're a skinhead I think if I remember this, you're a skinhead if you believe Bible part of it. But if you don't believe that, if you just think that white is the superior race, then you're in the Aryan Brotherhood. I can't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to keep track. But basically, there's some he, party lines. Yeah. So he gets brought into this. So at this point, like when he has the baby, he's like 25. So he gets brought into the movement at like 18, 17. Like he's very impressionable. When, impressionable when he gets brought in um which kind of makes sense because like later on they literally say that that's how they end up getting people into the movement is that they find people who got maybe got bullied for whatever Mm -hmm. reason and then they're like hey you know you're not a loser white power blah 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 and all this shit they're just low-hanging fruit yeah pretty much yeah they get the ones that they can Mm because it's the people who need to be accepted and somewhere and they're like hey they'll take it whatever it is we'll we'll accept you um no yeah and so then um it goes on and so then they decide that so um the turks want or no not the turks it's turk bauer so the bowers decide that they want to uh have their baby circumcised so how it works in this hospital is that um after you have a circumcised baby you can't um the baby can't be left alone for 90 minutes. Like, it needs to be checked on regularly to make sure it's not bleeding and stuff like that. Because teeny tiny little babies, you know, things go wrong. They go wrong bad quick. That's just a... Um, and, like, of course, like, Ruth is upset about the whole fact that she has been told she cannot work on this baby. And, like, yeah. her white co-worker is like, oh, I'm sure the supervisor didn't mean it was, like, race-related. You're probably just reading too much into it whatever whatever and ruth is like okay but 
like what other african-american people are here um and she ends up telling her sister and her sister is like very much like you have been like so her sister is darker than ruth is her sister's Mm. like you have been like playing the white man's game this whole time like when are you gonna finally wake up and see that like you can talk white all you want you're not one of them kind of a thing Mm. um and Ruth has, so she's a widow. So her husband was killed over in Afghanistan. And they, she has a 17 year old, I think her son is 17 at this point. And he's an honor student and he goes to like a private white, like high school, all these wow. things. Like he's super stupid, freaking smart. Um, and she's just like, well, how do I explain to him? She's like, I'm upset, but I don't want him to know that, like, she's like, I tell him that he can be anything he wants, da 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 da. Um, so the circ happens and at this time they're super short staff. So it's literally Ruth, her one white coworker gal, and then their supervisor who was also white. So there's three total people going on. Um, and so obviously she's not assigned to baby Davis. Um, but then the other one nurse that is working, um, her patient ends up going to emergency c-section and how it works in this hospital is that when that happens the supervisor has to go with so the gal she's like hey can you watch davis like he just had a start can you watch him and ruth is like well i um well and like at this point like the woman is literally like running down the hallway you literally don't have a choice like yeah she's like pushing her patient like can you watch him like i have to obviously be with my patient like it's not a time to be like hey let's trade these so Ruth, like most kids, she's like, C-section should take 20 minutes. She's like, I can stand in here for 20 minutes. It's fine. Be fine. Whatever. And she's like looking out at the baby and she's like, because of course she's an amazing nurse. And she's like, and she likes babies and shit. And she's like, oh my God, you're a great baby. How unfortunate, you know? Like, and of course she's like, these things are head. She's like, how unfortunate that your parents are shit. And at one point when like the pediatrician had come in to do the circumcision, she like made an offhanded comment. Like, why don't you just sterilize him? Which, like, should you say those things? No. No. Would you if you were super fucking upset because you had been taken off something due to your race? Probably. Probably. I'm sure I would say something similar. Um, and then before she had been taking off his, his case, she had heard, like, a heart murmur. And so she had, like, made a note of, like, hey, pediatrician, come check out this heart murmur. There might be a... Because babies are born with, like, holes in their hearts all the time and they close up. But Yeah, usually. You, you need to know about them. Um, but anyway, so she's, like, sitting there, and then she, like, looks down at this baby, and the baby has stopped breathing and is turning blue. <gasps> and so no. she instantly starts, like, trying to wake up the baby, because a lot of times you can just kind of, like, move and shake a baby, and they'll, like, come back to it. And it's not working, and then she hears, she hears footsteps out in the hallway, and she's like, oh, shit, I'm not supposed to touch this goddamn baby. So she wraps the baby back up, and is just standing there, and then her supervisor comes in, and she's like, Ruth, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. Not doing anything because you told me I couldn't. You told me I couldn't. Oh my god! And her supervisor is like, "Okay, well, we need to like start." She's like, "Call a code, start CPR." And Ruth is like, "Okay, like you, my supervisor, told me to start compressions on this baby." So she starts compressions on the baby. They call the code. All these things. The baby unfortunately dies. Oh yeah, so sad. This baby is like, why not the baby? Yeah, baby's like less than a day old or some shit. Um, but of course, like you call a code and you're in the, the recovery area of L and D, so the parents end up hearing it and coming over, yeah. and nobody realized that they were in the room. Um, and shit. while 
Ruth was doing compressions because she was like she obviously wanted to save the baby. Uh, she ended up doing them like a little too hard or too fast or something, and the anesthesiologist was like, "Hey, yep, going a little too hard," which is completely normal. Like that is a thing that happens in CPR is all like, the time. That's why there's checks and balances, and one like you never get butt hurt. You know, so somebody's like, "Hey, you're going too fast. You're going too slow. You're doing what?" And you go, "Oh." Hey, like I, I was. Know. Thank you. I was so focused on my one thing, I didn't notice. But, um, and so then, um, it like kind of cuts over to um, you go back to Turk, who was the dad of the baby who died, um, and they, and so he's how he met his wife is there's like the leader, like he's like this guy who's super high up in the movement or whatever. It was his daughter, oh oh, um, no. and they had decided like okay well we can't just like be out in public anymore of like being skinheads and Aryan brotherhood we need to kind of go like make smaller groups and go online they're like and so they like created this exactly yeah go underground so they created this whole like website thing and like and they had convinced everybody that you know it's more terrifying because there's all these small groups that can do bigger things and people think oh my gosh you know there's wait they made a website yeah, it's called lonewolf.org. How did they make a website if they didn't have color television yet? Oh, no, this is after. So this is Oh, when, right. This yeah. is this is when they're adults. Okay. Oh my yeah. god, my brain was like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, so this is probably like 30 years later. So this is 2015ish, I think. Is when the baby dies. It's right around 2015ish. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You did that um, clarification. Yeah, no. Yeah, they all kind of start to blur for a bit. Um, but then yeah. So, you know, they like have this like online movement of all these people, all these skinheads that all these people that believe, you know, the white is the more superior race, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. And then somehow somebody convinces Turk, the dad, that, you know, like there's a reason your baby is dead. Like you should fucking sue and shit. So he goes to the hospital and he's like meeting with the hospital lawyer or the uh, risk management person and she's like and he's talking to her and uh she's hispanic and he's like you know obviously thinking all these terrible things and then at one point she was like now why would you sue the hospital why wouldn't you sue her like literally the hospital straight throws her under the bus even though if he was being smart he oh went to the hospital God. because the hospital has more money but yeah literally yeah. the risk management person at the hospital is like well she was the naked one just throw her under the bus like it's freaking insane. And so, like, two weeks after the baby dies, Ruth gets a letter in the mail that her um, nursing certificate has been uh, suspended or, exp- I don't know. They basically, like, took her nursing certificate away because, oh, because that's the other thing is that Turk ends up going to the police and, like, files, like, murder. Tra- He's like, this woman murdered my baby, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. And so... They like the state, like her nursing, uh, and everything. And then at 3 a.m., she's awoken. So she lives in like a one bedroom, um, townhouse basically since her like husband died. Um, and her since her son is 17, she like gave her son the bedroom and she sleeps on the couch. Mm-hmm. So she wakes up at like 3 a.m. to a pounding on the door and her door being kicked in by the police. Uh, um and so she is handcuffed and arrested but of course her 17 year old son is a tall black male who comes out of the bedroom so then they tackle him and they handcuff him and they like break all of her fucking dishes trying to find a weapon even though like the two people are subdued and all this shit 
Um, so then it ends up kicking over to um, this, the narration of this woman named Kennedy, who is a public defender. Hmm. And she is a public defender because she's lucky and her husband is a doctor who makes enough money that she can afford to be a public defender. And they even like talk about this. They're like, people who are public defenders either do it because they truly, truly, truly believe it or they have enough money from something else (laughs) or like a trust fund, you know, spouse, trust fund, whatever the Mm. fuck. Yeah, they can, that they can be one. So it kind of like cuts over to her, and you kind of like learn about her story basically. Um, But yeah, so then like the rest of this book is like trial going on, and Ruth wants in the trial. She's like, yeah, like we need to bring up the fact that I was taking off this baby's case, and the entire reason that we're going through all this shit is because I'm black. And then her lawyer's like, you don't bring up race in court. She's like, you just don't do it. Like, no, it's not a thing. Um, So then at one point, Ruth is like as an olive branch type thing she was like hey like why don't you come shopping with me um and we can like try to find my mom a birthday present um and then kennedy who was the lawyer she's like okay yeah sure that sounds great and they go to like tj maxx or some shit but then of course you know one of the employees follows them around the whole time and like asks Ruth mm-hmm. multiple times like is there something i can help you find and like when they're leaving she's like hey can i see your receipt and kennedy goes to like the white lawyer gal goes to pull hers out and the security guard is like no no you're fine just hers and so kennedy is yeah so kennedy is like oh i i kind of get like what the hell it is what you're talking about yeah (laughs) um but yeah so basically the entire book a lot of the book is just kind of like you're kind of cutting back and forth, learning more about the people, and um, and then it goes into the trial and everything like that, and jury selection, and um, I don't really want to say too much more because um, the end of the book, I really, really like how the end of the book happened. Um, mm-hmm. I think it made a lot of sense, and I think it kind of followed well, but some of the reviews that I found online, uh, people didn't like it. They thought it was an easy way out, which mm-hmm. I don't agree with. I think that it in the real world it's one of those ones where i'm like i kind of hope you know these are the things that would happen and whatnot but either way i absolutely loved it yeah i thought they did super good on it um she like interviewed like multiple people like she interviewed a lot of like african-american women of like what are their experiences and like Mm. how are you treated so like the way that she does a lot Mm. of things i think i personally think that she does a really good job and she even says um there's this whole like in the back part this like the off you know when they do the random things where they're like chat with mm-hmm. the author or whatever the fuck um she has a whole thing in there where she was like why the fuck am i a privileged white woman talking about these things um and so i don't know i think it's done very very well i would definitely give it you know five teeny little babies out of five teeny little babies babies and cleavers that's what we're going with yeah <laughs> classy classy yeah all right good. well that sounds like a pretty good book i probably read that one i don't think yeah. i've ever really read any jody Picoult, honestly oh uh, like yeah you should i i've read like i said i've read almost all of hers and all of them are super good like one of them you know is about like a suicide pact and what the hell happens hmm. with that and then my sister's keeper obviously is like uh they have a baby who's super a kid who's super sick they have another baby so they have another they baby basically just take organs from it yeah the harvest baby and 
That baby doesn't. Oh, that grosses me out. That baby doesn't want to be a harvester anymore, you know. But see, I think it's her subject matter that makes me not read Jodie Picoult. I think it's a little heavy for me. Like murders, have at it. But like, yeah, things where you have a harvest baby. I don't know. I draw the line. Yeah, she definitely has. Yeah, a lot of her things are very much where you're like, I don't really necessarily want to think about that. But no, that's a real thing that they're kind of like uncomfortable truths, like hard reality. Yeah, and I think she does a really good job with it. Addressing him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, next week, uh, or bi-weekly, whatever, next time, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to do books that are new this year. So, books that have been released this January. Yeah. New year, new book, who dis? What up? What up? It's the beginning of the year, so 2020 releases, it's fine. Well, I mean, we're kind of in a lull between, like, Christmas and, like, rom-com season. Mm-hmm. Just you wait till the... Or I guess they call it, what is it, chiclet or something? Isn't that what they call rom-coms when they're Oh, books? yeah, chiclet. Yeah, which is stupid. I yes. like rom-com more. I like rom-com better. I'm just going to stick with it. Books yeah. are rom-coms. It's fine. Yeah, I think it's way better. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Yeah. And uh, you can catch us on Instagram at IIPYB underscore pod. Nope. That's our nope, Twitter. That's definitely Twitter. As soon as I said it, I was like, no. Instagram is in oh it, isn't God. it? Past your bedtime. Thank you for the save. That's all good. It's late. Uh, it is. Website, isn't it? Past your bedtime.com, where you can see all the other books we've ever talked about. One day, eventually, maybe, we'll actually talk about the other books we read outside this podcast. I haven't had time lately, which is my big issue, but I'll get to it, I swear. I also don't have time because I have a giant book about EMT boringness that I get to mm. read. So I could, do a write-up, I could do a write-up on that that nobody wants to read about. If you have to do one for class, please, please post it. There you go, yeah. Chris's short summary. <laughs> about vital signs. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening, and we will talk at you later. Bye. Bye.